Good evening, church. Great to see you. Should we try that again? Good evening, church. I know some of you are sucking on sweets. Great to see you. Thank you for the um, ops team for the return of the sweets. Helps. Uh, this might be a, a two-sweet talk. It might be a ten-tweet uh, sweet talk. Who knows? Great to see you. Any any um, freshers here? Any first-year students here? Welcome, guys. Welcome. Just put your hands up if you're a first-year student. Great. Thank you so much for being here. Well done for making it um, with, to to join us. Great to see you. Do um find Holly or any of the other students. In fact, if you're a student, could you just stand up? If you're a student, stand up. Great. Father, we want to pray your blessing on all these students as they join us and as they seek to um, follow you in their university and be a witness for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love students. And if you are visiting, if this is your first time, welcome. My name's Gareth, um, part of the team. Great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, just to say, if you are a student, by the way, the comedy night tickets are £3 for you. So if you want to bring all your mates from university, that would be absolutely fab, but they're reduced for students. Well, if you're listening online and if you're watching on podcasts, thank you so much for joining us as well. We begin um, tonight a new teaching series entitled All In, as we've just seen from uh, the trailer. Well done, our amazing um, media team. And we're beginning this series um, thinking about what it means to be all in as a church, um, particularly tonight, all in for God, and it sort of sits with part of our vision as a church as we're seeking to be a church that position ourselves before God. We have three themes um, as a church as part of our vision, positioning ourselves before God, partnering to serve, and planting for life. And this series that we're looking at over this next month sits in that positioning before God. And we're considering tonight, what does it mean to be all in? Um, I don't know what words come to mind when you think of all in. Um, when I think of um, all in, I think of commitment, I think of time, I think of energy, I think of money, yes, I think of being sold out. Well, according to Dr. Google, one of the first um, hits that you find if you type in all in apparently is an independent professional um, wrestling event on pay-per-view, um, which is promoted by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks from the Bullet Club. They sound like a good group of chaps, don't they? They're kind of the chaps that you want to, you know, you know, you want to take home and introduce to your dad if you're a woman, don't you? You know, the young bucks from the Bullet Club. Well, they had an event on the 1st of September, and their event um, was um, 11 matches of kind of like WWF wrestling or whatever it is. And um, the, the highlight match was between the Golden Elite, who in fact defeated Rey Mysterio, Rey Fenix, and Bandido. Anyone want to name Bandido? My nickname as a child was Squidgybod. I have no idea why my father gave me that name, but that's what it was. Well, interestingly, in in this all-in event, Cody Rhodes, the promoter, actually won the main title of the event, which was to be the heavyweight champion, which was the heavyweight championship. Um, I'm sure the event wasn't staged. Well, whatever you may think of, <laughs> whatever you may think of wrestling, um, whether you, whatever you may think of WWF or the NWA, you've got to be pretty committed if you're going to enter the wrestling ring nowadays, haven't you? I imagine. I mean, even if it's um, a little bit acted or staged, 
apparently. Um, you've got to be sure that you're going to um, be fit enough and um, you're going to have to do all the training that's necessary if you're going to be at an all-in event. Well, here's something else um, that's all-in. Let's take a look at this. What I love about that film is, is that apparently most of the documentary films for, for ski films have been dominated um, by men. And this film particularly has been produced and directed and um, the camera work has been done um, by some powder kind of like pumping women, which is just brilliant. Um, but I don't know about you, the thought of face down a mountain is exhilarating. But if you're going to go down a mountain, you've got to be committed. You have got to be committed. You've got to be all in, as the uh, title of the film is. Um, but I want us to be thinking tonight about what it means to be all in with God. What does it mean to be totally and utterly committed to God? You know, if there's, um, I wonder, just turn to the person next to you, um, 20 seconds, what, one, what few words might describe what it means to be all in for you with God. Okay, turn to the person next to you. What does it mean to be all in with God for you? Five seconds. Okay, stop. Okay, shout out any words that come to mind. What, is it, what does it mean for you to be all in with God? Shout out some words. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. No, safety net. no safety net. Like that. Abandoned. Abandoned. Conversation. I can't see a thing with these on. Sorry, go on. Obedience. Anything else up here? Sorry? How. Okay. What does it mean to be all in with God? Leap of faith. Sorry, James. Not giving a two hoots, but just being totally and utterly sold out. Yeah. Here's what I think it means to be all in with worship. All in with God. I've told you. I think it's worship. <laughs> to be all in with God is to worship. It's to worship. It's to worship God with our lives. Don Williams, who's um, one of the theologians, part of the Vineyard Movement of Churches, which um, we love here, um, he said this about worship. He said, he said, we become like what we worship. We become like what we worship. He goes on to say, if we worship money, we become a greedy person. We worship sex, we become a lustful person. We worship power, we become a corrupt person. We worship Jesus, we become a Christ-like person. We become like what we worship. But what does it mean to worship? The verb worship in the Hebrew means to surrender. I think what Mary said, um, sacrifice fits with that. To fall down in submission, and in many ways, the way in which we might humble ourselves before a mighty king. And the Bible is full of people expressing 
their worship to God. I was at the back a little bit, um, a bit ago in the worship, and I was thinking, oh, it'd be great to recommend a book. I like recommending books when I preach. I like kind of like, you know, recommending books that would encourage people. And I was kind of looking for a book about worship, and we didn't seem to have one on the bookstall. And, um, and then God said to me, how about recommending this one? <laughs> how about recommending this book? This book would be a great book to teach us about worship, and we're going to dig in in a minute. But one of the places, I think, where we discover so much about worship is the Psalms. Here's um, Psalm 95. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the, pot, the flock under his care. Worship is a posture of living that can often in sung worship express itself in a posture where we kneel down or we fall face down, which is a brilliant song from Matt Redman, but taken from scripture. You know, where we just totally and utterly surrender ourselves, all that we are, prostate, prostrate, sorry, not, not prostate, that would be the wrong thing, prostrate before the Lord. The Apostle Paul says that worship is the offering of our bodies, our whole lives as sacrifice. He says this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. The truth is that worship happens for all of us. We all worship. We may not fully understand what worship is, but worship is intended to be a spiritual part of our surrender and submission to God. And one of the challenges for us is that so often as humanity we attach our worship to other things. I had the privilege for um, um, a while working for Soul Survivor, and one of the kind of like mantras that Mike used to have, Mike Pulavachi, who leads Soul Survivor, was this. The question for all of us is not, will we worship? But who or what will we worship? Who or what will we worship? And whatever we may think about different styles of worship in the life of the church and songs that we sing, whether it's Bethel, whether it's Hillsong, Hymns Ancient or Modern or New Wine, worship is not a lyric. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not a lyric. I mean, we can use our lyrics to express our heart's devotion in worship. But if we're talking about being all in with God, if we're talking about expressing our life as worship to God, it's about expressing to him our total and utter devotion of our lives. And I think one of the greatest challenges of um, our, our, our culture at the moment as Christians is our use of social media. I wonder what you tweet, retweet, post, repost would say about your worship? What would your social media feed say about what you worship? I don't want to say too much about selfies. I don't think all selfies are bad. But I think when all you post is yourself, what does that say about our heart of worship? 
in the early church, and we're going to turn to the book of 1 Peter. So if you've got a Bible, turn it on. Um, there's some Bibles here at the front, 1 Peter chapter 2. In the early church around AD 63, in the first century, the Apostle Paul writes to the early Christians, and we actually as a whole church looked, went through the, the book of 1 Peter last year. It was great to journey through that, and I, re- I felt convicted as we think about worship to go back to this passage in 1 Peter 2. And what Paul, Paul is um, wanting to do is he writes to the church um, that is scattered um, around the first century in the ancient Near East, is that he wants them to look at what it means to worship when you're undergoing persecution. Now, we may not feel or think that we're undergoing persecution at the moment here in Cheltenham, but um, there are times when certainly I feel um, that I'm not sure whether you know, I should put my head above the parapet and say that I'm a Christian because of how people may perceive what it means to be a Christian nowadays. But what I want us to do is I want us to ask ourselves, what did worship look like for Jesus' earliest followers, and what does it look like for us today? So 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm going to read um, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. If you've got a Bible, highlight that, that phrase. Built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Underline it. Offering... Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, hear these words from Peter, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, But now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In this letter, Peter states, and I'd encourage you to underline if you've not already done it in your Bible, verse 9. Peter states who they are and what they're to do as Jesus' followers. They're a holy priesthood who are to offer spiritual sacrifices, declaring the praises of Jesus, who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. You know, if you're a Christian here tonight, you have been called out of darkness. And you're in the radiance and the light of Jesus Christ. You are no longer a child that was in darkness, lost and lonely. But you are now a child living in relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son, empowered by the presence of Of his Holy Spirit. Children of light. A royal priesthood. How does being a Christian and being all in relate to priesthood and sacrifices? Does that sound weird to anyone? What does it mean to be a priesthood? 
do you realize that you are a priest of the most high God? I mean, get your head around that for a minute. I don't know what you think when you think of priests. Maybe you think black shirts, dog collars, frocks, and all that kind of stuff. But do you realize that you are part of the royal priesthood with our great high priest, Jesus Christ? The one who's gone before us and who's paved the way and shows us what it's like to be a priest in the royal household of our God. You are a priest. When you get up tomorrow morning, you are a priest. When you get up on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, Sunday, you are a priest. Part of the royal line of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the Exodus tabernacle of Moses was a temporary place of worship. The Israelites, um, they'd put up the tent as they were wandering in the desert and then when the God moved them on with the, the, either the, the, the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of cloud by night, if you read in the Exodus, um, they, they, they'd pitch up the tent or they'd take the tent down as God commanded it, as God, as God led, them, led them on as they were wandering in the desert. And then um, King Solomon, he built a permanent tabernacle, the temple of God. And both the temple and the tabernacle were a tent of meeting. They were a place of encounter. In fact, the word for tabernacle is a word mishkan. It's a Hebrew word that, that, that means dwelling place. The tabernacle, the temple, is the dwelling place. It's the place where heaven intersected with earth. It's where God came and dwelt with his people. And once a year, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies as part of the ceremony of the Day of Atonement. And no, at no other time was anyone allowed to enter the Holy of Holies because that was the place where God's presence, his holy presence dwelt. And what they used to do when the, the, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, they'd tie a rope round their ankle just in case when they went in, in the, in the, in the, in the divine, holy, awesome presence of God in, the, in that holy place. They were struck down dead and they'd be able to pull them out by the rope and then be able to bury them appropriately. And in the tabernacle, in the temple, sacrifices took place place that were acts of worship. They were acts of worship to atone for sin, to make things right. And people would bring their their offerings, their sacrifices of varying kind um, relative to their own understanding of, of their sin. And they'd offer those sacrifices before God and they would make a commitment of devotion to God. That's what happened in, in essence in the temple. It was, a, it, was a, it was an act of devotion to God, bringing your sacrifice of something that you owned or something that you had and laid it before God. And that was what happened in the Old Testament with the people of God. But in the New Testament, we read that the ultimate sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ paid the price for all of humanity's sin. We believe that through Jesus' sacrifice, that all of humanity's um, sin was made right with God. Justice was paid at the cross of Jesus Christ. The, the, the perfect sacrifice, the one who was without sin, was made sin 
for us. Why? So that we could be reconciled, that we could come back into that perfect living relationship with God the Father through what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we've sung so much about the cross tonight, haven't we? The sacrifice that he made for us. And what happened, as he, if, if, you've, if you've read um, you know, one of the, the accounts of the cross of Jesus Christ recently, what happened is Jesus was crucified when he breathed his last, when he said, it is finished. Three most incredible words in all of history. It is finished. It has all been done. That's been necessary to bring humanity back into relationship with God. The Bible tells us in Matthew that the, 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 the veil in the, in the temple, the curtain that separated um, the, the, the courts of praise and thanksgiving from the most holy of holies was separated. It was torn in two. Now meaning that all the, the ultimate sacrifice had been paid for and that we could now have access to the presence of God. Do you know you have access to the presence of God 24-7? Do you know that he's always with you, that he'll never forsake you? I think one of the questions for us as followers of Jesus is are we awake to his presence? Are we awake to his presence? Jesus ushered in for us the presence of God when he died for us at the cross. And now, as followers of Jesus, we present ourselves as a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We surrender ourselves. We give of ourselves all in in total and utter surrender to his purposes and his plans in the world. And one, of ex- one expression of that is about what it means for us to be all in in this church community at Trinity. Are you someone that's all in at Trinity? Have you made that commitment to be all in for what God wants to do in and through us as a worshiping community? We dedicate our lives in worship and we do it together. You are a priest of the Lord Most High. What does it mean to be a priest? Throughout the Bible, there's you know, priests in the Bible, particularly the, um, the Old Testament, come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. There are a whole host of duties, different responsibilities they had. But one common thing, I think, marks out the priests in Scripture. They are people who seek to dwell in the presence of God. That's what priests do. They live awakened to the presence of God. They dwell in his presence Listen to these words from Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And then the psalmist goes on in verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And this psalm was written by the sons of Korah. 
If you've got a, 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 a Bible, it usually says often who's, who's written the, the psalm, if we know who it was. And, and Korah was, um, himself wasn't a particularly nice person. He died in an earthquake. He was rebellious. Um, but through the generations, his sons came back to God. And the sons of Korah, they were Levites. They were priests. They were worship leaders in the temple. And their heart as worshipers was to dwell in the presence of God as his priests. Is it your desire to dwell in the presence of God? My soul yearns, even faints. My heart and my flesh cry out. I mean, it's, they're, they're quite expressive words, aren't they? I wonder if we didn't have the book of Psalms now. I wonder how we might express our yearnings and our heartfelt desire to be dwelling in the presence of God. The first thing that we discover about priests is that they crave the presence of God. Do we crave the awesome, holy presence of God? Are you someone who seeks to dwell in the presence of God? And whilst, yes, in part I'm talking about gathered worship as we gather here in worship, but I'm also talking about when you go to your campus tomorrow, do you realize you're dwelling in the presence of God? When you go to the office, when you go to Starbucks and get your coffee, you're dwelling in the presence of God. Are you awake to the presence of God with you and what God wants to do in and through you? What might it look like if we dwelled in the presence of God in the doctor's surgery? What might it look like if we dwelled in the presence of God when we go on the flight this week to Brussels or wherever it is that we find ourselves? What might it look like if the church of Jesus Christ said, Holy Spirit, come. Welcome your presence. Come and do what you want in and through me. What would it look like if we dwelled in the presence of God in GCHQ? What would that look like? Priests pursue and dwell in the presence of God. I think one of the other things that we see in Scripture is that the priests proclaim. The priests proclaim. I don't know if you um, have a favorite scene in the Bible. Um, David and Goliath would probably be one of mine up there. Maybe you'd quite like to be there at the birth of baby G. Um, you know, Bethlehem. Oh, wow. Shepherd. I don't know. Or maybe one of the shepherds on the, on the hillside just having a little bit of Bethlehem beer, you know, a little bit of IPA on the hillside. And then all of a sudden, wow, glory to God. You know, I wonder what, would you like to have been there? I think I would have quite liked to have been there. Although the angel did say, do not be afraid. So I'm guessing it was a scary moment. But I, I think I think one of the most awesome events that it would have been great to have been at would have been in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If you've got a Bible, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. The dedication of the temple of God. 2 Chronicles 7. I'm just going to read a couple of verses from that. We're, most of us are very familiar with 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will I come and heal their land. We're familiar with that. We use it. And we, it's, it's something that's dear to us as a church in terms of um, committing to intercede and prayer. And please come to our prayer week. Be a part of prayer week. Don't, um, don't kind of be on the fringes. Don't be on the sides. Commit. Be all in to our prayer week. But here in verse 1, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled 
the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground. And they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, his love endures forever. Then the king of all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord, and King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. That was some barbecue. So the king and all the people dedicated the temple before God. And the priests took their positions, as did the Levites, with the Lord's musical instruments, which King David had made for praising the Lord, and which were used when he gave thanks, saying, His love endures forever. Can you imagine watching fire come down from heaven? I mean, what would it have been like there in that moment? The temple of the Lord is being dedicated for the Lord's service, and fire comes. All the people fall face down in the presence of God. I mean, it must have been quite exhilarating. It might have been pretty scary. But I think it would have been an awesome event to have been at. Or maybe to have watched on an LED screen or something. I don't know. But it would have been quite impressive being there. And the temple was that place, as I said earlier, where heaven intersected with earth. And they fell fell face down in the glory and the presence of the Lord. I think worship leaders, I think priests, whether they've got guitars or whether they've got Bibles, they're people who follow God and have their face down posture in worship. But here's the thing. I love that event in the Old Testament. And I do genuinely think it would have been cool to have been there. But the New Testament describes an even greater event. It would be amazing to stand outside the temple and watch God's glory descend. But there's something so much better. Because we are literally the temple ourselves. Somehow by the blood of Jesus, we've become worthy of joining with others to form a dwelling place for God. You know, the Lord wants to inhabit you. There was another moment in history when fire fell in Acts chapter 2. When the fire of God fell on the followers of Jesus, they could not but praise God. People thought they were crazy. People thought they were drunk. But the, 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 the act of being filled with the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, meant that they could not but worship and proclaim and witness. This passage in 1 Peter describes us as living stones. And as living stones, we've been put together as the church of Jesus Christ, into this glorious place of worship for the presence of God. You know, your stone is added to my stone, and Jesus Christ is the cornerstone built on the foundations of the prophets and the apostles in Scripture. We all come together. Paul puts it like this. 
when he writes in 1 Corinthians 3. You'll be familiar to some. Do you not know that you are God's temple? God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You are a priest and you are a holy temple of the living God. And it's God's desire for his presence to dwell in you and through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Acts 2 is about when the church was born and at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came down. But he, 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 here's an interesting thing, I, I think anyway, and I'll share it and then, I'm, then I'm, I'm nearly done. When Jesus speaks to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, um, just before he ascends, he says these words, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes, will, will come on you and you will be my witnesses. The word that is used, that comes from the Greek for witnesses is martyr. You will be my martyrs. If there's anything that expresses what it means to be all in, it's the word martyr. That I would totally and utterly give up my life to be a martyr for Jesus. And so when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you, church, you, Trinity, will be my martyrs, filled and empowered by the Spirit. And you'll go into Jerusalem, in Cheltenham, to the ends of the earth. So church, what does it mean to be all in with God? In its primary sense, it's worship. To be all in with God in its primary sense is to worship God with our lives laid down in utter surrender. And if you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, then why don't you say yes to this incredible life following Jesus? It's the best life you could ever um, choose to make. I made that decision 35 years ago. Never looked back. God has been with me in every circumstance of life. Some of it has been not so good. Some of it has been wonderful. God is with me. He is with me by his spirit. He is in me by his spirit. He is around me. He is the creator of the cosmos. He is everywhere. I cannot escape from God. That's what the psalmist says. It's about living a life of worship in utter surrender. Let me ask you, when was the last time you surrendered? When was the last time you surrendered to God? You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare, witness, testify, lay down your life for him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. People who position themselves before God, pursue his presence, and proclaim him in praise with their lives. Amen. Let's stand. <coughs> if you're new and you're visiting, so great to have you here with us this evening. We're a church that 
believes that God's spirit has been with us as we've been gathering. And we're a church that believes we just want to give more space as well for God's spirit to minister to us, the spirit of Jesus. And so just as we're standing, I want to invite you to close your eyes. That way your focus is on Jesus, hopefully, or on the Lord. I want to invite you to close your eyes. And as you've got your eyes closed, if you're here tonight and you've not said yes to Jesus and you know that you've been sitting on the fence trying to decide if you're going to make a commitment to Jesus or not, maybe you've been coming along here, maybe this is the first time you're here and you've just been kind of like thinking, I'm just not sure about this Christianity. If you're here tonight, God is prompting you to jump in to say yes to Jesus. Why don't you say this prayer as we've got our eyes closed. Why don't you say this very simple prayer with me. I'll pray it slowly, one line, and then I'll pause and say another line and pause. Just say it in the quiet of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me on the cross. I thank you that you died to take away my sin. I thank you that you died to give me new life. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life by your Holy Spirit. And help me to live my life for you. Amen. Just as we've all got our eyes closed, please. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or you felt you needed to say it a second, third time, could I just ask you to put your hand up? I'd love to give you a little booklet um, at the end if you prayed that prayer. Just put your hand up now. Thank you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come in this place. Fill us with the presence of Jesus, God. So I encourage you, wherever you are in the journey of faith, if you want, you're someone that wants more of God, if you want to be more all in for God, why don't you hold out your hands to receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit for you tonight? If you want more of God, encourage you to pray this simple prayer. Holy Spirit, come. Fill me with the presence of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Fill me with the presence of Jesus. Now let's wait. Let's wait. Tell the Lord he's welcome. more of you Holy Spirit up on the balconies Holy Spirit come downstairs Holy Spirit come 
And I can see already on one or two, the Holy Spirit's moving. I just encourage you to go with that. Some of you, I think, are, are feeling a real heat in your hands. Ask the Lord for more. Ask the Lord for more. Our God is extravagant. He doesn't want to hold back. Invite him in. Holy Spirit, come. More of you. Just bless what you're doing, Jesus. Bless what you're doing. Thank you, Father. Don't be bothered about the silence. Keep pressing into the Lord. Holy Spirit, come. I wonder what it is that the Lord wants to do in you tonight. What's the Lord been saying to you this evening? I think there are a number of responses that I think the Lord wants for us tonight. And I encourage you, if, you, if, if this is you, to begin to come to the front you know, some of you already, you're, you're experiencing physically the Holy Spirit. If that's you, I want to invite you to come now. Just come. Just come. I think there's a couple of people who's beginning to already experience the Holy Spirit physically. I think some of you, it's in your hands. Some of you, you're shaking a little. I just want to encourage you. Just come. Just come. Bless what you're doing, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just come right to the front if that's all right, because I think there's a couple of other groups of people. I think as well, there's <clears throat> you're here tonight and that you know that if you're being honest, you haven't been pursuing God's presence in your life. If you're honest, you've, when you've gone to work or when you've gone to college, the thoughts of the presence of God with you hasn't even entered your mind. And that, I, I, I don't mean that to, to say that in any way of guilt, but it just, it just hasn't been on your mind. Perhaps until now, this evening, that you just thought, oh, Lord, you are with me. Your presence is with me. And if you know that, that God is speaking to you about taking his presence with you, into your workplaces, into your campus, into you, and this won't be for everybody, but if you know specifically that God is speaking to you about not just pursuing his presence, but taking his presence, then I want to invite you to come to the front now. Just come. Just come. Thank you. Just come. 
just come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think there are others. Just come. Carriers of the presence of God. And Holy Spirit, on those that have already come to the front, I just pray that you'd release a, a, a fresh outpouring of your spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Now, if some of the church family would come and pray and stand alongside those that have come to the front, that would be great. If you're a regular um, member here at Trinity or St. Paul's, if you wouldn't mind just coming and praying, that would be ace. Just come and stand alongside. Remember, what we're particularly praying for is the presence of God, but also an anointing to be carriers of the presence of God into our workplaces, into our homes, into our schools and universities, into our hospitals. Just come. Just come. Come and pray. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Some of the interns at Trinity, I know you've kind of not even had any teaching yet. You'll get that from me in a couple of weeks, but there's no better way of deciding how you need to learn to pray for people by starting going for it. So if you're an intern at Trinity, you're part of the discipleship here, come and pray. Just come and stand alongside someone and just invite God's Holy Spirit to come. Just invite God's Holy Spirit. You need some chaps to come over and pray here. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Arden. Just come and pray. Bless your presence, Jesus. We're hungry for your presence, Jesus. We're hungry for you, God. That is who we are, to be a people of the presence of God. You know, Moses on the mountain calls out to God and says, God, we need your presence with us as your people. If your presence doesn't go with us, how will people know that we are the people of God? We need your presence. So God, would you pour out your presence in this place? Holy Spirit, come increase it in a way that we've not seen for a while, God. Increase it and pour out your Spirit, Lord, in people's lives in a way that we've not encountered before. Come, Holy Spirit. Just bless what you're doing. Could I have a couple of ladies to come and pray? That'd be great. If you come forward and um, for prayer and no one's, put, um, no one's prayed for you yet, could you just put your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. More of you, Holy Spirit. More of you, Holy Spirit. Hungry for you, Jesus. Sha-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da.